When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Matt, for the listeners, they don't know, but for you and I, we know. They don't know. They don't know. We haven't seen each other in a recording session in like three months. Yeah, I mean, we, I saw you briefly from uh, the backstage area of a venue in Belfast. For, uh, for, for a mailbag episode. Our mailbag, yeah. yes, which was really fun. That was it's, smack in the middle of a tour that seemingly never ended, but it did end because now I'm home. Spoiler alert for, uh, like, today, when we're recording this, I just finished editing the Polka Your Eyes Out episode that we did with Mark Hampton, and I had to do some creative editing towards the end because we're literally like, hey, Mark, you know, who knows if these writer strikes are going to be done by the time this episode <laughs> comes out? <laughs> like that's how it was far pretty back. close. It took a while. It took it a took, while. I mean, I had a feeling it was going to be a long time. I literally thought it was going to go until the next year, but yeah. Uh, thankfully, I was wrong on that. Um, but we are literally recording this on the day of my favorite time to be a Spotify user, which is of course Spotify Wrapped. So we got some stats real quick. I want to go down. Uh, so I haven't heard top- these yet. I'm excited. I don't know this. Yeah. 82% of our listenership found us this year. So 82%. That's huge. Yeah. So that's, that's a sign of growth. I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it said that 8% of the people who started listening to us this year started at the very beginning. The Dr. Demento B sides was the first, the most listened first episode for, for new listeners. See, and now, you know, that would makes a lot of sense to me because Al fans, I think are, completists which is why this podcast makes a lot of sense i think there's not like if you're an al fan you are you're all in top to bottom you want the whole experience yeah and that's what we're here to do in the less shocking side of things the united states was our our top uh location for people listening to us no shocker really there um shout out that you know it, it was giving us our breakdown of how our podcast was shared with other people 65% 65% of the time when people shared our show, they just sent a direct link. So it wasn't from us posting on Instagram. It was it was from people physically texting a link to someone and saying, hey, man, I think you'd like this. Oh, and our awesome. most our most shared episode this year was with your friend Spam. Spam was the, Spam most, was shared. the most shared episode. 
that's a great, I'm so happy to hear that. And I'm extra glad that we are segueing in. I hope I'm not jumping the gun with a segue here. Cause this, as we were preparing for this episode, I kept thinking of spam and how, um, this is just like how fun it is to discuss both like a song and the parody of the song and just a product and a that product Hal wants and, to talk about. It gives us so much, th- so much to discuss, so many tangents to explore everything. And, uh, everywhere all at once or whatever you exactly whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but i just want to give one last quick shout out yeah to the 242 fans where we were in their top 10 most listened to podcasts the 181 fans where we were in their top five most listened to podcasts wow and the 58 fans where we were their number one show of the year 58 people thank you 58 people we sh- every every one of those 58 people should get a card i don't know if there's a way we can uh track down who they are but if you well, are we've already been tagged in someone who we were in the top five of which was uh past guest ag aj santini no oh, shock AJ. there no what, um, a, what a supporter he is oh yeah it was it was us he only listened to three podcasts it was us <laughs> krista makes a podcast in horror movie night so uh, oh, oh and one hit thunder. one hit thunder yeah one hit thunder there four, you go th- four podcasts so we you know, it's something. I'll take it. That's that's our kind of guy right there. <laughs> but another person who's our kind of guy, kind of, I would say the weird algorithm legend. And you and I oh, got an boy. email with some exciting news, which before we dive into the white stuff, truly we so much this. to talk about. <laughs> um, Jim Legrando is back. And buddy, people have been asking. I know we, we got to just start with this, right? We, we got updates yeah. on the video game. We're on an email chain. We're going to there's going to be a weird algorithm road trip coming up very soon with the three of us. Guys, it's happening. Guys, <laughs> you know it. Uh, thank So first of all, thank you so much for bringing me back to be a part of this wonderful podcast. I loved how those stats you got and put out there. So congratulations on all the uh, all the accolades and all the folks that are listening and will continue to listen. Maybe this will be one of the top listened to and shared podcasts after we get into all this, because it's going to have to be really going to send us down to the the rabbit hole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it's cool. It's great to see you guys again. And yeah. Hey man, I didn't know if we were going to wait till later or we were going to start it all off and let's do that. So yeah. So (laughs) since, since we've all talked last, I was doing a little research and uh, I, you know, I watched the, so I listened to the mailbag episode where somebody brought up a question in the mailbag of what's going on with this. So we know that it's out there and people want to know what's happening with it. <laughs> oh, it and comes so, up all the time. Again, little- people in my regular life will just say to me, what's up with the video game? Ooh. Like, is anything like I, I just people ask me about it. Like at I, bars. I want to ask a very quick question <laughs> now that you've mentioned that because you just toured Europe for like two and a half months. I did. did yeah. Anyone during those two and a half months ask about the game? Oh, man. You know, a couple people talked to me about the show. I don't remember specifically if anyone asked about the game, but because because, <laughs> you know, often it's in that setting. It's like me walking through a crowded venue. Yeah. And someone stops me and it's just like, I love the Weird Al podcast. And it's like, oh, thank you so much. And it's not much more of a conversation than that and then i say go grab a sticker from jane at the merch table yeah that's how we do it so i I don't remember specifically but again it has come up a hilarious number of times (laughs) like we have really captured imaginations here (laughs) and i'm sure it's only going to be more talked about once we finally get into it and see what's up so okay so just as a quick origin for the background of the listeners of what's up i was watching some show on netflix that was about people that sell you know the sports cards and comic books and stuff that has value and how they auction it off and that sort of thing and one of the people on there 
is a vintage computer collector. Because in fact, one of the things that they were going to try to sell was an old Apple that was complete in the box or whatever. And so it made me think, oh, that's there's got to be people out there like that. And I was telling, telling Matt about it. And we were going to look into trying to reach out to this guy who is, I guess, semi-famous for collecting stuff you know, beyond just computers and whatnot. And uh, we were trying to figure out how we were going to get into that. You know, this guy lives somewhere, I think, in upstate New York or somewhere, or I don't know, that's not necessarily near where we are. And uh, I had the opportunity then shortly after seeing this to go to a uh, convention, I guess, is what was happening in the Philadelphia area called Too Many Games. Yep. And I went to this Too Many Games, uh, this thing at the Oaks. And as I was walking around and looking at this place, which was massive and beyond like people, there's people selling all kinds of video games and and collectible toys and the whole sort of thing. And I rolled by this booth that had a working Apple II GS sitting there <laughs> and, and is like <laughs> operating. And I was like, oh, my God, like, whoa, what is up with this? I'm like, guys, like, you don't understand. I started to tell them the, the story of this, <laughs> why we needed to have access to this computer. And the guy's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This isn't ours. It belongs to some other person who's here with us, but isn't here right now. They like walked away and went somewhere offsite or whatever and wasn't around. So I got their information and then followed up with them. And it turns out that these guys operate something called the Vintage Computer Federation. And it's based out of New Jersey. So not far from us, Matt, that we can just go on this field trip that we alluded to and go near Red Bank, New Jersey nice. to go to the Info Age Science Center where they told me that they have a working Apple II GS that is there and they are beyond excited to have us come in there and visit them <laughs> and see what the heck is on this game. So I, when I reach out to this person, I call them. And I told this, I said to this guy, I'm like, I don't know if you're going to, this is going to be the strangest call that you <laughs> had today or this month. But I gave him the background of, you know, making this, you know, for anybody who's just tuning in now and not sure what's happening. This when, is like a year in the making, this whole dude, when journey. I, I just <laughs> was going to say, I think it's the King of Suede episode. Yep. Is that where mm -hmm. this first came up? Yeah, I, on that, yeah, that was 3D. I know. This was <laughs> several albums ago. If you want to, we can do a summary, but if you want the full backstory, you go back to Jim's first appearance on this show on King of yep. Suede, and that'll give you the actual origin, the, the, the complete and origin the, story of this game. And, and the, the TLDR of it is that when I was in fifth grade, I had learned how to program basic computer language, and my friend Ratbear and I made a Weird Al game in BASIC. And I found the disc at my parents' house. And assuming that it's still in working condition, which it should be because I haven't done anything with it other than keep it in a drawer, we should be able to put this five-inch floppy disk into this Apple II GS and boot up the Weird Al game and see what it is, what's in the game, whether or not I even finished the game, because I'm not even sure if we finished writing it. But it's going to be great. <laughs> so when I called and talked to this guy, I was like, look, we don't know what's going to be on it. If anything, it's going to be like that Geraldo episode where they tried to get into Al Capone's, Al Capone's vault. vault. Yeah, there exactly. Wasn't, there wasn't something there, except for I know there's something there. And uh, I remember also, Matt, whenever we were talking about it, sure, I was like flying home whenever I was like, well, I should bring this with me. And then I was like, wait, no, yeah. <laughs> I'll wait till I go home and I'm driving because I didn't want there to be a chance that I put the floppy disk through the x-ray machine at the airport and then it just goes and disintegrates. <laughs> oh my God, I can't Everything that would have been on it because of the magnets and then just everything would have been Good call, Jim. So, I, I, that might yeah. be a thing, I don't know. 
I don't know. That's I, crazy. Well, look, I only assume you know, they have that whole thing where it's like you can't take unex- you know film through it or whatever else. I was like, we're not we're not leaving. It no, we need chance. to for the road so. trip. Even we need to protect this disc like we're doing an organ <laughs> transplant. Oh my god! If we, you know what I mean, we got to put it on say, ice. Jim, are you willing to <laughs> handcuff a briefcase with just the flying disc? Absolutely. We just gotta we just gotta procure. <laughs> I mean, if we're gonna film this to post on on socials, I think we do need to play it up as much as we possibly can. Oh my god! Um, all right, absolutely, well, absolutely, man. Very exciting. Oh, Guys, yep. stay tuned. I don't know how that's going to play into the physical podcast, but I can tell you that if you follow us on the Weird Algorithm Instagram and hit up our Facebook group, yeah. those are probably going to be the number one places where this information drops uh, exactly. as it's happening. And I think um, our goal is, we said, like early next year, we're going to try to find a yeah. find a day that the three of us can head down there. I'm going to meet you guys down there. And uh, we should. I mean, we, I am. I am. We so should excited. hit them up. Maybe. Man, do you think they'd be willing to host an event? We could do a live episode from their facility before putting the game. Uh, we got, into the I mean, machine. we got some planning to do. We got, we got to see what we can make of this. We're, we're going to do know, something. I, I certainly don't want to hold them to anything, but from my conversation with the folks there, because like I, the person I talked to who was excited about it and didn't think I was crazy brought in his boss and the whole setup, and they were very interested in us working Let's, with them to do it. To, you know, to to get the word out about the center and the whole thing. So. I can only imagine that they would be open to it, but we won't put them let's, on the spot here as we talk uh, about no, it. But like, we'll, we'll, let's definitely we'll see. see what stay, stay tuned, listeners. We will keep this going. Anyway, all of that, we got to talk about Weird Al's New Kids on the Block parody, the white stuff. Um, I think part of the weird element of Off the Deep End, and we discussed this a little bit in the Smells Like Nirvana episode. I know Jim wants to talk about this a little bit as well is that this is an album that has one of the freshest parodies Al has ever done, right? He's writing and performing Smells Like Nirvana at the absolute explosion of grunge. Yeah. And everything else feels so out of date because of it. Because it's like these holdovers from like the early 90s that he tackled, like New Kids on the Block, MC Hammer. We've got another one coming up that Al has like openly said is probably the latest he's ever released a parody that I think that in retrospect, he probably would have just scrapped that parody besides putting it on an album in like 2023 Yeah, uh, with like Millie Vanilli. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like, what, right. what can you do about a group whose career is already so far gone for the last two years and so out of the public eye? But at one point, the white stuff was, as we said in the I Can't Watch This episode, was looked at as a potential single to release. Oh, not even just potential. Like, they they pressed promo CDs. This is a whole story here. If, like, they, they had moved in a direction where this was going to this was gonna be it. But then Al, I guess it's not totally clear who it was who wanted to wait. I think it was Al who decided to hold off. He was waiting on one more parody, right? Which meant that he yeah. this song got recorded, according to Wikipedia, this song got recorded in early 1991 or possibly even 90. Um, and then the album didn't come out till 92. So, yeah, so that's a lo- I mean, again, like we talk about how like things move faster now than they used to, but that's still a long time. And this is arguably the New Kids on the Block track has not exactly stood the test of time. Probably not even from 1990 to 1992. I mean, the fact that that Smells Like Teen Spirit came out says a lot, right? It's so interesting that all of the parodies besides that feel like they are from a completely different musical universe. Yeah. 
There's no similar, there's nothing like that anywhere else. It's, it's wild. So much so that, and we've, we've already kind of hinted at this, but like the following album, Alapalooza, actually also feels slightly outdated because of just truly, I don't think anyone expected the grunge movement to be as longstanding as it was. You know what I mean? Like at the yeah. moment, it seemed like, oh, well, this is like some crazy one. Like, you know, from our own experiences, how many of us have loved a weird indie band that like has this one massive hit and then it's just like, and then they're right back into being like an underground sensation. Like I think of like Modest Mouse, you know what I mean? Like sure. Float On was everywhere and Modest Mouse has never stopped releasing records, but most of their fan base is just the people who knew them before Float On. <laughs> that, yeah. Like we're really At this into point. Them. Yeah, 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 exactly. So there was no reason to not assume that that's what, was going to happen with Nirvana and all of these Seattle bands. Like it was going to be this, this big, like three, four month boom where everyone cared about this stuff. And then it would go back to just being this music that only the people in the underground cared about. And instead it's like a genre of music that still holds relevancy 20 plus year, 30 years later. So mm -hmm. totally. Um, Absolutely. So I, I can understand why, like, cause Alapalooza came out so quickly after off the deep end, why those also feel like kind of outdated holdover tracks. A yeah, and bit. as we previously mentioned, <laughs> funny that he uses the Lollapalooza name joke with no grunge. But there's no grunge on that record at all. Like it's <laughs> it's none of the parodies hit that mark at all. It's so interesting. Like I, I I would love to know another one of those like file it away in the questions to ask Al someday, <laughs> hopefully, category of right. like what was the thought process there? Because again, it's just so. Uh, yeah, the, the song parodies on that record have no uh, seem out of time. You know what I mean? From yeah. from what was actually going on. For sure. Well, my guess with that, you know, not speaking for Al, but I'll pretend I am. You for can a speak second. for Al. This I is, think that's fine. This yeah. is my guess. I think he gave you the co-sign on that. <laughs> yeah. Go for it. I, I think I think he would, especially knowing how how deep I you know had this fandom since a child. Exactly. He's yeah, probably been fine. talking to us about what to find out is on that disc. So <laughs> he's, he's the one waited with the most bated breath. But no, this is my my. My guess is I think it plays into the whole thing with Off the Deep End and going to Alapalooza, which I'm sure we'll get into when Alapalooza rolls around, which is, so if we don't, I don't know how we count UHF in it. Now, granted, UHF soundtrack is part of the Al chronology, and it came out, you know, in 1989. And so this album came, we were talked about it a little bit, it came, Off the Deep End came out in April of 1992. But prior to the UHF thing, which, you know, we talked about didn't really do well commercially, it was even worse in 1988. So that's four years between his even worse. And then this coming out, my guess of Alapalooza happening so quickly afterwards, which I think was like something like August or something of 1993. So like a little, like a year and three months or whatever, it was probably just like, we got to strike while the iron is hot. Exactly. Because people really love off the deep end. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, re resurged his career. Yeah. He was probably just like, Let's get this out there. We got achy breaky song, and that's close enough to a mega hit <laughs> well, for us to just kind of do something. And it was and probably just like, I don't want to get caught in the four years. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't even think about this until now. Also, Alapalooza's 12 tracks. Only four of them are direct parodies. No, it's a lot of originals on So it's on probably a lot of held over originals and just, all right, let's get a couple parodies on there for singles and call it a day. Because even like doing the Bohemian Polka is kind of like by then Wayne's World 2 was out. 
when he's yeah. doing that. So, and also, like, really quick, we already talked about this too, but in terms of holdover, we already know that Waffle King was recorded for this record and he held it for yeah. Alapalooza because he wanted to include I Was Only Kidding. Uh, I Was Only Kidding. Yeah, last week exactly. I Was Only Kidding. Exactly. Because... Which he thought nobody would get if he waited a year. <laughs> I think it would have been fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm sure I, I have never been more yeah, confident yeah, that something would have exactly. been fine in my entire life. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, back to the original point about this song, I can definitely hear how this could have been. This to me actually feels like it's one of those surprising tracks that this wasn't a single and that this doesn't have a video because it does hit. It reminds me of um, another one that I thought that about, which was addicted to spuds, Yep. which feels so like quintessentially Al, like it's this like textbook Al food song or even spam. But do you think that that's why? Because I'm realizing that that's the reoccurring theme with us is that all the songs that were like, I don't understand why this wasn't a video were food-based parodies. And I wonder if he was just sick of being looked at as the food guy and was actively like, I'm not making videos well, for the food-based parodies. It's a toss-up, right? Because we also <laughs> established that what he really wanted for this record was to do snack all night instead of black or white <laughs> and chicken so pot pie. <laughs> yeah. Or chicken right. pot pie. So I don't think right. Al was ever nervous about the food thing. I mean, he will do food for his entire career. There's yeah. never going to be a time where he stops well, doing that. It's, I mean, I get it in the sense of like, you know, they talk about how like math is like the international language. Like math is the same yeah. across the board. Food is kind of right up there. You know what I mean? Like, like people might not TV specific TV show tropes or pop culture tropes might not like carry internationally the way that just like enjoying foods. It's a universal <laughs> truth. Yeah, it's like... a universal truth. Yeah, no, no, it's it's absolutely true. I, I mean, and maybe it's just again, this is like something that Al has hit on that we all just identify with Al. So any song of his, there's also the food album, which we've established was a very big compilation for a lot of people, myself included. This was on that. So maybe that also plays a part in why it feels so fundamental like it wasn't a that album wasn't a greatest hits album but kind of feels like it could have been do you know what i mean it, it follows it, you called out the two best comparisons because it follows the the roadmap that's in spam and addicted to spuds yeah which is like person who is upset like this isn't just like oh he likes oreos you know yeah. what I mean? Like, he's, like, using it to glaze a turkey. Like, he's, yeah. like, this is the well, best <laughs> thing that's ever existed in my life. I cannot, if you give me any other food, the white stuff in the middle of the Oreo better fucking be part of it. Or I'm not going to touch it. Exactly. And in that <laughs> sense, this is actually more similar to Addicted to Spuds because it is also, like, he likes this to a point where it is, like, he is he is sexualizing this food product <laughs> in a way that is really and of course this one I mean we just we have to say it it's called the white stuff this is oozing pun with uh, innuendo all over the place on this track I mean it it is it could not be more suggestive and of course he's matching the original which is just a straight you know song about sex and he's which just, I will say all of that nuance was lost to me as a oh of course of to course me too and having no idea that it was anything other than talking about Oreos and listening you know being a parody of a new kid and I was song. reading some comments online for, of people who specifically saying that like they were playing this song like on their tape deck or whatever and their mom heard it and was like nope and just hit stop <laughs> like just assumed the worst 
of what this would not even really listening to the lyrics, just hearing that and being like, this is, you're not listening to this. Look, and in a way more innocent way, as I've called out, you know, this is the episode that's literally coming out just before Christmas time. So sometimes when people talk about the white stuff, they're talking about the snow. Merry that's Christmas. That's all I'll be talking that's, about. That, that, that's probably what it is. Snowfall. That's definitely <laughs> it. Yeah. All the things Al could have been talking about cocaine, fluffy I, towels I, I don't know yeah I saw some internet insanity where people thought it was about fluffy towels and I was fluffy just towels, thinking like, I saw it, it doesn't it go oh Oreo yeah, no, no, it's it, in the chorus like how there's no room for interpretation <laughs> It is. This is very clear. There's no. Literally, the chorus is I love the white stuff in the middle of the Oreo. Yeah. No, this is. I mean, anyone's. We like to dive deep on this show, but that anything else is a, a mega reach that I'm not comfortable making. This is definitely about Oreos. Well, you know what? Sure. I, I won't lie. If you just look at the verses, the idea that this is about cocaine still kind of holds. With oh, like, if we ignore the, the choruses, one, yeah. Yeah, the first one was a sweet one. The second one was a blast. Soon I finished off the bag. And there you then, go. Yeah. And then he says, you know, my teeth are all <laughs> are rotted right through. Like, I don't know. That sounds like some drug problems. It's it's not impossible. <laughs> That's funny. Like, just think as we're diving into stuff to look at. I saw, I looked at the, the genius lyrics just to see if anybody had put anything with it. And with the first line of it being, first one was a sweet one. Somebody wrote as an annotation that was like, this is about how sometimes when you eat an Oreo, sometimes it's sweet and sometimes it's not. Like, what, <laughs> Jesus Christ. what are we even talking about? With that? um, that's not it, even but, that could even remotely it's not worthy of genius. Here's here's what I will say. <laughs> Joking aside, Al's a smart guy. And I do think that the connection of the white stuff being cocaine and the white stuff being the middle of the Oreo and the level of addiction and like the phrasing that absolutely. he uses is absolutely like, especially I think it's the second verse where he says the first time I tried it, I got a big sugar buzz. Nothing gets me high as the sandwich sandwich the sandwich cookie, cookie does. does like yeah, sure. that, like just a couple other tweaks. And that is a, he's talking about any other type of drug. But yeah, the best line in this whole damn song for me is the I love the filling most. I'll rub it on my roast, mix it into my coffee and spread it on my toast. <laughs> it's an excellent, excellent rhyme structure i mean this is a great this is such a great parody he also does the thing in this just looking at the lyrics again that i love so much when he can actually match a line oh yeah in the original song um in verse one or verse two i think it is um oh no for uh, verse one the i can see it in your walk and tell it when you talk see it in everything you do even in your thoughts he manages to keep the same line he's like you can see him in my teeth and tell it when I talk. That's the same line, and he's yeah. addressing the fact that you can tell he likes Oreos because they're stuck in his teeth. That's just I had like so many. Uh, my I mean, uh, just so good. Shock. It's, it's, he's so yeah. smart sometimes, and yeah. his ability to like stitch them together and keep so much of the connective tissue the same while talking about right, something the, totally different. It's just and the, so good. The cadence of it and everything is just yeah. spot on. We so talked about this. He's a master. We talked about this in uh, about two weeks ago on the. Uh, Poco Your Eyes Out episode mm -hmm. um, with how smart a lot of this is. This album, I think, is one of his most smartly, like some of his most smartly constructed songs. Yeah. Because like, if you remember Poke Your Eyes Out, we kept bringing up how he does like Do Me by Belle Biv DeVoe. Mm -hmm. And then literally uh, the next, like there's Do Me by Belle Biv DeVoe. Enter Sandman pops in the center and then it connects into the Humpty Dance where he repeats the do me right portion of that. And like 
Like there's just like a lot of like he's he's really like tying a lot of different threads. His his brain must look like any uh, <laughs> detectives like string board. The string connecting the like... clues. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. It's it, it really is. Yeah, it's it's great. I mean, I have to also bring because we were just talking about the original one again. Like, did either of you go back and listen to the original the new kids on the block track for this? I didn't. Should I have? No, well, not really. I, mean, uh, <laughs> I just have it in my brain permanently because my, my wife found that record somewhere when we were out looking at records. And so I have that as part of the collection. So I've heard I've heard the original. And then as growing up, I have my friend's older sister bumped that Hangin' Tough record yeah. constantly. So whenever I heard this as my first, like, I don't know if this song was my first foray into Al, but it was first like more of a cognizant one in a way because like I certainly remember seeing the fat video mm -hmm. as everybody probably did. Yeah. But like I think at the time that video came out, I was like seven. So I was like not necessarily concerned about asking for tapes and stuff to have. It's just like, oh, that's a goofy thing. And I see this fat suit. Or right, whatever. right, right. And it wasn't until I had a friend who brought the off the deep end cassette tape to the YMCA after school program that I went to <laughs> and we sat and listened to it. And then just like here, like me having such an intimate knowledge of hearing, you know, hanging tough a bazillion times at the time. And then hearing this perfect rendition of that song, but about Oreos, <laughs> a cookie that I love, like none other. Yeah. yeah it yeah. just put it all together. And I'm like, who is this Al guy? I got to get in and get everything I can get my hands on. So that's yeah. awesome. Cause, cause that's great. That's an important, uh, no, like memory to have and note to have the first time where you really clock the joke, the parody, like what it is like to know the original and then hear his and be like, oh, my God, I just can't believe he did this. Hello, everyone. We're superhero stuff you should know. And if you think you know about superheroes and comic books, think again. We got romance. We got action. Romance. We got comedy. We got everything you need, man. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know for all your superhero needs. Uh, ro I, I don't know about this romance. What part are you talking about? We've got all kinds of sketches and then deep dives on top of that. Come on down to superhero stuff you should know. All right. So come on down to... Wait, why did I say come on down? To superhero stuff you should know. I can only speak for myself, and I'm sure you guys are with me, though, when it comes to it. Like... There's so many songs until I got into it, I didn't even realize were a parody. You know, yeah. we said this before, yeah. like, you know, like toothless people being ruthless people or whatever. Right. I never would have got that until in the future or looking in the liner notes or whatever. Sure. But the white stuff, you just knew as a kid that it was the right stuff from yeah. hearing it so much before that. And maybe, you know, I guess as an adult and whatever, because obviously Al is trying to sell records to people with disposable income and not necessarily 10 year olds. Right. Like <laughs> I'm sure the world had moved on from new kids on the block, but as a 10 year old, it was still going strong with people like dancing to it or coming up with routines or whatever else, even though that hanging tough album came out in 1988. I know it's crazy. That worse. was uh, four years separated from the release of the new kids record and this parody, which is a long time. That's really? That's extremely right. long, especially from Al's standards. Like the early albums, you give a little bit of credit to, cause he's sure. kind of going for more classic songs, but yeah, no, at this point for him, that's a, that's a big gap. That's, that's a, big, a big gap, big especially gap. trying to do, although I mean, and then literally next album though, he goes for a way bigger gap for, MacArthur Park, like yeah, the, the, well, he's he'll he'll move into this territory where he'll just pick something that's intentionally like a way deep classic, yeah. like he'll go way 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 back, um, which doesn't usually work for him. Maybe the saga begins is the only exception to that. Yeah, yeah no, it's so it's interesting for me because I'm a little bit younger, so I remember I definitely did not know the new kids track. Which side note, when I looked it up, 
I would have never known that the original version of this song is called You Got It. Yeah, the right stuff. The yeah. right stuff in parentheses. But the actual name of the track is You Got It. Like, what a terrible yeah. name. That's, terrible, that was terrible a terrible name. idea. You know Should what not have done though? that. This is one... I agree with you, Matt. This was I knew this song before I ever heard the New Kids on the Block song. Yeah. But I think unlike a lot of those other songs that we've talked about, even though I didn't know what the original song necessarily was, I remember hearing this and knowing that it was definitely a parody of something. Mm-hmm. And I think I even concluded right. that he probably changed the right stuff to white stuff. But like the rest yeah. of the song, I had no clue. Like, yeah. <laughs> It, it, it's just interesting for me to go back because obviously I have, have heard the original now a few times over the years, but I went and listened to it again. This is another great example. Al's parody is about half as long as the original song. And yeah. thank God <laughs> it is way too long. There's no extra lyrics. They just take like a a, a big like break where it's just the um, got to uh, be a dance. Yeah, break. That's where they have yeah. to dance in the video and at the live shows. Matt, show some side respect. note. Yeah. And in the music video, this is another <laughs> important thing because I watched the music video, too because I'm really good with my research. And in the video, they do this ridiculous dance where they put their uh, like thumbs through the front of their belt like they're cowboys, and they kick their legs out to the sides in this yeah. like, it's like a classic left, dance. right, left, left, right. But yeah. is that, they didn't invent that, did they? Yeah, that's the New Kids dance, that, as far wait, as I know. Is, is, did they, is that really them? Like, Am I watching the original creation of that dance in, in well, the video for this song? I, my, I think that it may be... More in because in the song "Hanging Tough," isn't there like a line of something about doing the new kids dance in that particular? Is that song? what it is? Am so I just am, is, I is this it, just like the, their trademarked dance? That is their that trademark dance. That is the, yeah. that move to the new kids is skanking to ska music. So there like, you go. So <laughs> I guys, I di- I didn't know. I saw this video and I watched them do that dance. I was like, oh, that's so weird. Like I have seen many people do that dance and probably only making fun of new kids. I didn't actually yeah. know the origin. Yeah, it's wow. like someone doing the Carlton when they hear yeah, not exactly. unusual exactly. or like people doing his dance to Apache. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's you know like what? that is the that is the dance that you associated. I gotta say, it's a pretty dope dance. Look, how many people are out there creating their own dances anymore? It's, you gotta give it up. You gotta give it up. It's a little it's a little bit awkward, but in a way that I think is actually uh, very charming. <laughs> I don't know. There's something very simple about it because I think choreography now in pop music has gotten so intense, and everyone does these insane. Like everyone has to be like a next level pro dancer. Even like kids on TikTok are impossibly good at dancing. And watching these five awkward dudes just kick their legs to the sides, it's, it's, it's so stupid. Look, but what like, is, what the is fact that everyone likely? loved it so much makes me really happy. I was going to say, what's more likely for Weedus to be able to do at a live show? Like what Britney Spears does or what the new kids do? And no, I think, no, no, no. I, I, it seemed I like they were, all, <laughs> they were all doing the best they could with what they had. <laughs> and I respect that. Maybe it was such a sensation because it wasn't so difficult so everybody could do it. So like, you could just mimic May, it with no Yeah, with no you problem. know what? That's really Maybe what that's come down they're keeping to. it accessible. Yeah. Dance, Line dances are too damn hard. I remember it was around Teach Me How to Dougie. I was like, I can't do this. And that's when I realized that like, I had officially hit the point where I was not going to learn any more new line dances for weddings. Um, <laughs> I have I have one other New Kids on the Block anecdote that I have to share because it's too good. My buddy, uh, Andrew, who you've met, Matt, yes. uh, you met him at a, a WIDA show. Um, he and I, when we were in high school, I don't really even know why this happened. But we went to our local club, which is called the Downtown Long Island. If anyone from uh, Long Island is listening, this was an amazing, mostly punk rock venue uh, in Farmingdale that I was at probably three nights a week for most of my teenage years. It closed in the mid-2000s, unfortunately. 
but uh, boy, that was an amazing space. Um, but one night they booked uh, a solo performance by Jordan Knight of nice. New Kids on the Block. And for whatever reason, my buddy Andrew was like, we have to go to this show. Did he perform Give It to You, his only solo hit? Of course he did. <laughs> um, did he do it twice? I, I, you know what? I don't think he played it twice, but he certainly did this one as well. Um, but he was just so adamant. like, we have to see this show. It was $15. Uh, the opening act was... It's the opening act was uh, Greg Raposo, who was in Dream Street. Okay. You remember Dream Street? Vaguely. Very, very short-lived. Yeah. Like, they had one minor hit, and then I've, the parents of the kids got in a fight, and they broke up. But uh, <laughs> he was from Long Island, so he opened for Jordan Knight. And then the other act, I tried to Google this uh, leading up to this episode, and it is just does not exist anywhere. But I, we, I talked to Andrew about it in anticipation of this. It was a pop group from Long Island who were called INT just the letters I-N-T. Mm -hmm. And we were like, what the hell does, what is this? What does this mean? And then when they're performing the very first song they do, the chorus of the song was just like, hush, hush, I'm not telling. <laughs> and we realized that that was what it stood. They had their own title track, I'm not telling. There is no, if Thanks. anyone in the world listening to this show has any record or, or uh, history of the Long Island pop group, I'm not telling, I-N-T, I will boy, I, I want to hear that song again. It made such an impression of us. We laughed so hard. See, and uh, this is, folks, this is why when you go to shows, buy an album from all the bands. Take it home, because you oh never know God. when you're not going to be able to I don't know if INT again. had some CDR of their music or whatever it was. It didn't work out for INT, I guess. But, um, man, that was that was so funny. And then the other, only other funny thing is we bought the tickets to that show, and then Andrew fell, and, like, I think he broke his leg, or he had, I, he was on crutches. Jesus. He was, he had hurt himself. And it was the middle of the winter. It was snowing. And he was like, we have to go to the show. I'm like, dude, do you really want to go see Jordan Knight like on crutches in the snow? And he was like, yeah, we can't miss this show. <laughs> and he like the amount of trouble he went to with me, it was just the two of us. But he was like, like we got to the door of the venue and there's just this enormous ice patch. And I was like, dude, you are going to die trying to get into this show. And he was like, no, we got to do it. We got to do it. And, and we, we did. We That's saw Jordan amazing. Knight. And I he put on a pretty, he put on a pretty good show. We, we had a good time. Um, give it up to Jordan Knight. And then the only other guy, was it Joey McIntyre was the other guy from Same New Kids year. who had a minor Same solo career. Same year. So, you know, we do, I obviously do a podcast about One Hit Wonders. Same hey. year, both of them released their solo albums and had their minor hits. So jo Joey McKnight had stay, uh, stay Joey the McIntyre. same. Joey McIntyre. Sorry, Joey McIntyre had Stay the Same. Jordan McKnight had uh, uh, Give It to You. 1998. Ten years after Hangin' Tough came out is when they finally put out their solo Crazy. albums. I, I, like, at the same talk, time, it's so weird. Like, talk about missing the boat by, by a large margin. Yeah. Also a weird thing on this song, this is like only two of them really sing lead on it, and it's Jordan Knight and then Donnie Wahlberg. That, and Donnie Wahlberg did not ever do anything after New Kids, musically at least. He, he just bailed. That's not as weird as it may seem, and the reason why I say that is um, if you ever, I, I got bored one day and looked this up, but if you like scroll through even like NSYNC's albums on Wikipedia, people write down who sings lead on like what songs. And across those five guys, it is basically just Justin Timberlake and I, I forget who the other guy is singing lead on every single song. I think it was Justin and then JC Chazay did JC, most of yeah. the most did, of the lead yeah no it is similar and, to that and Backstreet the other Boys. guys are there to like harmonize and maybe they'll throw them like one solo song 
yeah. each album, but it's it's very clear. Like these are, I think that's what actually made the Spice Girls so interesting. Is like I never realized this until recently, but rewatching, yeah, literally rewatching old Spice Girls like music videos. Every single one of them sings lines in every single song. Like exactly. they are a true ensemble versus yeah the backstreet boys kind of did that too they definitely had they all took turns doing lead but i think the thing that surprised me about this was that joey mcintyre had a solo career despite not being the lead singer at all in new kids and donnie Wahlberg, who was a lead singer uh just decided he wanted to (laughs) went on to be be a Wahlberg. i guess he was gonna (laughs) lean into becoming a Wahlberg, full (laughs) full on which is probably a smart call honestly well, right. Well, yeah. Joey was the young one, so I guess he had more time to put his solo stuff. He was together the young one. He was, he was like the, the cute guy. one too, right? I guess he was just so cute. <laughs> yeah, everyone I liked su- him I for suppose. that. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and at the behest of turning this into a new kids podcast, but such stuff to find into, I found neat just looking into it. The song "White Stuff" was has co writing credit of Al and a guy named Maurice Starr, I think is what it was, and I was like, who is this guy? And what else is up? I looked into that. Yeah. And that's a guy who was very much like the Lou Pearlman, new NinSync type thing where he had put together New Edition and then New Edition went out and toured and whatever. And then they basically didn't get paid from it. So they fired him for saying that he was embezzling from them when they didn't make any money. And he was just like, well, to heck with this. I'm just going to recreate this this band, but with like white kids and made new kids on the block. New kids on the, the block were the new, new edition, yeah. double yeah. new edition. I mean, new original it, isn't it a, a wild like this time period? Like the music industry is just so full of just like crooks. Well, like like you look at these totally. stories, it is amazing how many people are just going in there and stealing everything they can get and then making a run for it. I it need to bring wild. this up though. Before <laughs> including Scotty Brothers, before, I was going to say, hey, what? What? Yeah, exactly. Before Maurice Starr, real name Larry Curtis Johnson. Before <laughs> Maurice Starr formed new edition and new kids on the block he put out two solo albums both fantastic album titles uh the (laughs) debut album was flaming star with two r's because he was maurice star with two r's and then his sec his second and last album was called spacey lady (laughs) Ooh, spacey lady (laughs) that's that sounds right up my alley i gotta we gotta i gotta look into that uh all right well i think it's I think we're, we're pretty much covered. I mean, we've we've established, right? We're all we're all pro Oreos, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, I mean, totally. do we even need to discuss like Actually, who doesn't like Oreos here? I will bring up something about Oreos. I am Great. a huge Oreos fan. Double stuffed all the way. I don't understand how people eat regular Oreos in this day and age. It's just cookie with no white stuff, basically. But shout out to another Geekscape podcast for absolutely making me disgust it. <laughs> but the <sighs> video gaming podcast dynamic resolution one of their co-hosts has has stated the most insane thing I've ever heard, which is that he swears that an Oreo tastes exactly the same whether you dip it in milk or a glass of water. And there is no chance in hell I'm going to do a taste test to see if he's correct or not. That is that makes me really angry. <laughs> I, I, I don't want I don't want to hear that, nor do I want it to be true. Like, I refuse, but no. um, it's already passed now. Go check out the Geekscape live stream we did two weeks ago. <sighs> the The team in Dynamic Resolution will do the work that I refuse to do. They've gotten a series of cookies of all shapes, sizes, and varieties, and they will be doing a milk, water, soda uh, taste test. Jesus. 
Did you um, know, side note, did you know that Double <laughs> Stuff Oreos have existed since 1974? I didn't know it was from 74. Uh, I knew it was a, that's, that's crazy. I, I feel like they've done some really clever marketing over the years to reintroduce this as if it's a new product because that, I feel like that's happened at least twice in my life where it's been like, oh, here, check this out. Well, now Double Stuff Oreos. You know what? Here's a very quick Oreo topic. On this chat here. Yes. How do we feel about the novelty flavored cookies? But, but let me take a second to talk about that too. That's great. I brought. I did dig out of the pantry. I I have a bag of Oreos here. Birthday cake that are the weird kind. Yeah. It's birthday cake kind, and I can tell you why that those exist. Is because Oreo now is a conglomerated brand. <laughs> so it's like the brand name that was purchased by. It's now operated, but so it was Nabisco. Nabisco is now just another brand that's brought through. It's, it's part of the Mondelez International Corporation. And when Mondelez <laughs> bought it, they can now leverage the Oreo brand across everything. So they make these wild ass flavors and oh. put them out at a limited time or whatever it is for the exact reason of people having to like go out and grab them and do whatever and the sort of thing is uh, with it. And that's now why, like, if you've probably noticed over years, like, how did how did Oreo bust out? And now it's like literally everywhere I look, there's something with Oreos in it. Yeah, Pokemon branded so, Oreos, that yeah, the I, thing that went like viral a couple of years ago. It's totally them like doing all of the, like I was at Target yesterday and I saw that there's hot cocoa Oreos now, which is chocolate cream with a layer of marshmallow cream. So Hate it's it. like dual creams. I, mean, I have to tell whatever. Now, whether it tastes like that or not, I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't purchase them, but uh, it's that, but that's why it's now on like, they leverage the Oreo cream or the name onto like, I've, I've, I've seen ice cream cones that are like Oreo cones that you would just, it's just basically the chocolate wafer or something where they make candy bars now that have allegedly Oreo cream in it. But yeah. I don't know if it's actually the same sort of thing because it's just the name Oreo is just so known from everybody that I think back in the day there was just regular Oreos. And then someone's like, why don't we just double the people like the cream? Let's just double stuff them. And they have them. <laughs> yeah. And those were the only ones that existed except for then there was, I, you know, you may be too young to remember this, but there used to be something that was called Oreo Big Stuff. And they had a commercial that was like that song, like Mr. Big Stuff or whatever. Yeah. It's like, but it was like oh, yeah, Big Stuff. <laughs> and it was a giant. I remember it. Oh, man. I remember it getting now it's kid because kind of became like the mega stuffed cookie, essentially, where no, it's like it was big. It, it, it was like it was an Oreo Big Stuff was like five Oreos combined into one. It was like as big as you would think of like a chocolate chip cookie might be oh, from like Jesus. Subway or something. And so the wafer was that huge. It was like two or three inches across. And it was like, I know you can't see this as a podcast, but you guys can see it. It's like, it's like a half inch thick of cream. So it was like six Oreos in one. <laughs> and they would come in a box that I think it only had four. Maybe there was six, but I think it was four giant cookies in a small wow. box. And I remember that they were obviously more money than whatever. So I was, I rarely had them because I had to beg my parents to like get the thing. Yeah, as a premium item. Like, it was totally such a thing. And then, but it was short lived because I guess people were just like, I don't, I don't want to eat five Oreos at once. Yeah. Just, uh, whatever. And that was it. But that was basically it until, you know, this conglomeration. And now we get to have Java chip and red velvet cake and whatever. It's I mean, probably going to get into the Harry Potter bean boozled world. I was going to say, this is, I, I found a list here of, of Oreo flavors and it is far too long for me to even attempt to read on no. this show. But I'm just going to hit a couple. <laughs> Did you know that there is a Google Android Oreo? 
Of course there is. No, of of course there be. is. It tastes um, exactly yeah. like Google Android does. Exactly. Like, it's, it tastes like your Android phone. Um, Coconut Delight <laughs> Oreos, Strawberry Milkshake Oreos, Blueberry Ice Cream Oreos, um, Peanut Butter Oreos, Brownie Batter Oreos, Banana Split Cream Oreos. Gross. Um, berry Burst Ice Cream Oreo. Um, candy Corn Oreo. Um, American Cream Oreo. I have no idea what that means. Lemon Twist Oreo. Triple Double Neapolitan Oreos. Prime Berry Oreos. Watermelon Oreos. Limeade Oreos. SpongeBob Oreos, of course. Fruit Punch Oreo. Caramel Apple Oreo. Cotton Candy Oreo. Root Beer like Float Oreo. Gump. You're like naming different I know. Types. Marshmallow Crispy Oreos. <laughs> toasted Coconut Oreos. Cinnamon right. Bun Oreos. We, filled Cupcake we, Oreos. Fruity that, Crisps Oreos. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> all right, Matt. Sorry, 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 sorry. It's all right. No, you, no, no, I, no. you have no idea that was like a quarter of this list. Lady I Gaga Oreos. <laughs> all right. So I think it's time for us to do some rankings, though. <laughs> Snickerdoodle Oreos, mocha caramel <laughs> latte Oreos. I'm putting the white stuff right between uh, Ricky and this song is just six words long, which puts it in my top 10 right now uh, towards the wow. bottom of my top 10, but it's in my top 10. Um, but my top five remain unchanged. Uh, number five, fat. Number four, I lost on Jeopardy. Number three, Yoda. Number two, smells like Nirvana. And number one, still, I think I'm a clone now. And uh, that also means that my bottom, uh, my bottom ten or my bottom five remain the same from best to worst. Isle thing. Stop dragging my car around. The Brady Bunch. I want a new duck and toothless people. There you go. It's funny. We've talked about this before. I have this little like food cluster in my rankings here, and uh, I mean not not across the board, but there's this little block of them here, and I I just find myself going here. So I'm going to put it in between. Just above I Love Rocky Road and just below the theme from Rocky 13. All right. So a little bit lower just than me. A little bit and lower than yours. I still think this is great. This is very like, again, for me growing up, this is absolutely like essential, Al. Um, this is this is fundamental stuff. It's not a single. It's not a hit. But this is one of those tracks where it's like if you even if you claim to even be something of an Al fan, I, ha I would assume that, you know, and. Love this song. And that might I might be wrong about that. I have no idea. But that's just like in my experience with people, this is just one of those like fan favorite like Yoda yeah. or Addicted to Spuds or any of those tracks that are huge in his world for no reason other than, uh, you know, that that we love a good him. Song. <laughs> well, and that means that your top five remains unchanged still. Fat at five, smells like Nirvana at four. I lost on Jeopardy at three, like a surgeon at two, and Yoda at number one. And Hell your yeah. bottom remains the same as well. Girls just want to have lunch, stop dragging my car around, aisle thing. I want a new duck and toothless people. Before we let Jim rank, uh, Matt, if people want to see a better idea of our rankings, is there a specific place that they could go? You know it. WeirdAlgorithmPodcast.com. All of our rankings are there, and they're updated almost always on time. Yeah, <laughs> except for the occasional times where I forget. But for the most part, if you look, it'll be correct. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Jim, you've been here enough times. You know what you have to do. You're looking at the guest rankings list right here. Uh, where right. are you putting white stuff? Well, we see. So looking at this list that I can see, take it to the top so I can see where we're at. How <laughs> poking your eyes out is number one. That seems wild. That seems wild to me. But I can't <laughs> can't make this song number one because there's certainly ones that are behind it. But let's see, I think it's you know, a bit looking at this list. I got to okay just based on this guest rankings I got to put it in between 
I'm going to put it in between Eat It and Money for Nothing because I think Money for Nothing, Beverly Hillbillies is a great song, but I like this one better than that. But seeing this guest rankings, it's got to be higher than You Make Me and Melanie. <laughs> Even though it's pushing Yoda down a little further, I, it's just I, it's just where I got to land it. All right, and what move do you want to make? What move do I want to make? Oh, that's a great question. Why don't we, since I said it, why don't we move You Make Me down below Yoda? But looking at your top five for each of you guys, it's great. There's not, I mean, you put it in the right spot based off of what you're looking at. I mean, it's definitely deserves in the space that it is. And it's hard to even, I mean, I can't argue with what you guys have as a top five <laughs> to try to push it up into there. I know I wonder with this, just speaking, just thinking of the white stuff before we, you know, wrap it up and whatnot. I was looking in on Spotify and as an album off the deep end doesn't have that many spins. It has, yeah. I would say less it definitely has less than a half of a million spins for however long it's had to exist on Spotify. That's wild. And I just wonder if when it comes into this stuff, if it's just like the time frame of when it was. So like when I personally, like, my, like I mentioned it before, like my experience with, you know, the white stuff and the right stuff was right in that five year window when it was a relevant thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like, I can imagine if you're just coming into Al or like in the last couple of years, I mean, being, 30 years removed from new kids on the block phenomenon. I could see how people are like, you know, don't know the right stuff or they don't know where we're at with it because it's like, it was such a, a like him putting off the deep end out and having that Nirvana set up to put him like into the, you know, could cement him yeah. beyond as just like not being whatever with it was just the perfect time frame for that, which is probably why we mentioned this before. We didn't say, I mean, there's not much to say to it, but how it was a promo that was literally scrapped. Like, I guess they made pro Scotty brothers made promos for the white stuff and for, um, I can't watch, I this. guess can't, can't watch this. Yeah. And then Al and, John Bermuda Schwartz found them in the trash at yeah. the record label and rescued some of them. And I saw somebody had said on the internet that every now and then one of them is on eBay and there wasn't one on there for me to see, to get any sort of like, there's not really one not there right now. To it seems see to be a mega rare, or yeah, mega rare item. Yeah. But my guess is just that like, okay, from these, that this song being from 1988, but then he recorded the Nirvana parody and that being so timely and perfect to be the first yeah. single to come out and just basically carry the record. There was no reason to make this a single or a promo unless, I mean, I mean, you know, he's basically doing one single more or less or any sort of follow-up. I mean, how do you follow up Smells Like Nirvana yeah. <laughs> with yeah, a four-year-old song that had its time you know we talked about the plumbing song too like you can't bring that out because nobody cares about Millie Vanilli just let it rock and if you already knew that he was going to do Alapalooza so soon and then look I don't just move on anymore is the other video that he did and it's so low budget you know what I mean well it's not low budget but because there is some some nice practical effects but it is it is not you know when you're looking at what comes after that with the Jurassic Park music video that's this giant claymation spectacle you can definitely tell that they had a little bit of money to like do the special effects on the piano player getting massacred and you don't love me and that was it like it was just yeah. like let's just recreate that very cheap extreme music video where it's just black and white and us just like doing our thing um yeah well and you're Jim, right Jim. I, I'm, I'm actually saying like it, of course I'm I'm being an old guy right now because it's like yeah the I, at the time that I heard it again the food album was new and this was still something called like why would anyone care about a parody of a new kids on the block song that like any anybody who got into Weird Al at the like even the white and nerdy phase I mean at least Oreos still exist right we have that reference to <laughs> right. hang on to for dear life but uh, um, 
but yeah, no, I, I can understand why this wouldn't resonate with people actually. So, so yeah. I, I take back what I said about this. You, you don't need to, it's okay guys. If you yeah. don't love this song, like, like we <laughs> do. Well, we'll be back next week with some crazy, this might be the craziest episode we ever record next week. Um, just based on who our two guests are, but before oh, yeah. we go, Jim, at the time that we're recording this, uh, one of the bands you managed just had a couple big uh, tour dates announced, and this is going to come out maybe exactly a month before that that four day tour. So you want to do a very quick promo of that before we bounce? Uh, yeah. So those listening, I manage Punchline, and uh, they probably just wrapped up having an amazing holiday show in Pittsburgh. So if you were there, thanks for coming and saying hello. I think Matt and I are both going to be there, so you can come say hi to us at, the, at that show. Well, in you already past. did, according to the time this came out. Um, but the shows that'll be happening Hope you in retroactively January. came and said hi. <laughs> exactly. In January, uh, Punchline just announced that they're going to be doing some 20-year anniversary shows for the album Action, where they're going to be playing with Hot Rods circuit who will be doing uh anniversary show for their album so so it's it's going to be great if you have a chance to uh get a Hell ticket to yeah. it if it's not sold out by now yeah. please do and we hope that we'll see you that weekend and there'll probably be more shows next year but that's what we have for now yeah that's for the listeners in connecticut massachusetts new york and philadelphia so excited Dope. for those I will be at at least yeah. one of those shows, possibly more. Who knows? You can come and say hi. Uh, stay tuned for more Weird Algorithm next week. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 